Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Good morning, church. All right, who's this guy and why does he have long hair? Does he wash it? Yes and yes. Um, I'm just trying to be more like John the Baptist. <laughs> Speaking of John the Baptist, on this dreaded day, pun tended because he was dreaded, he lost his head. Matthew 14. Turn with me there. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. I hope that's all right with you guys. Um, he lost his head. Now, this is a very, very close friend to Jesus. Some would say closer than a friend because, well, he was his cousin. I mean, they leapt with each other in the wombs, right? These guys were super duper uber close. And if anybody kind of was a kindred spirit of Jesus, aside from the fact that they were friends, that they were family, they were both like leading disciples. And one was like, it was like the opening act and the headlining act. They've been touring together for a while. They knew each other well. And now Jesus gets this bad news that his best friend, his confidant, his, well, not confidant, God's his confidant, you know what I mean, his cuz is literally dead beheaded. And something happens in, in one of the parallel passages where Jesus basically says, hey, let's get away from these people. Let's get, let's get some time with God. Let's, let's get some peace. Let's get away from the crowd. So they jump in a boat and they cruise over. Super easy, barely an inconvenience. About an hour, maybe two hours to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. At this point, they're like, ah, we're finally, when they pull up, finally we get some peace and quiet and everybody's there. The people ran and they told everybody and they greet him. And it was on this incredible day, Jesus performed his most public miracle and he invented the all-you-can-eat buffet. Fish and chips with much, much left over. And at that point, after ministering and ministering, and of course, these guys wanted to make him king because, well, he could provide food for days. And he's like, he, he dismisses the people. At this point, he is exhausted. Now imagine Jesus. He's 100% God, so he's all-powerful. But at the same time, he's tabernacled in flesh. And he's also 100% man which is really hard to comprehend. But imagine God having a backache. Imagine God just having a headache, a migraine. Imagine God being really sad because he just lost somebody. Now he knows that his cousin is in heaven, but this is taking a toll on him. And so we pick up in verse 22, Matthew 14. Immediately, I love that word immediately. We see that quite a few times in this text. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So he's, he's basically setting the entourage, so everybody's like, okay, okay, this is going to end. And then he pushes them off in a boat. He's like, hey, head on over to the other side. It's going to take you about an hour to paddle. It's probably before dark. I would assume that it's about an hour before dark because they wouldn't typically do that at night, but you never know. And, um, and then everybody is like, what are you going to do, master and rabbi? And well, he's like, I, I, I need to spend some papa time, some abba time. And he dismissed the people. It says, after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside 
by himself. Everybody say by himself. He did not have his antisocial media on. He did not have his phone. He wasn't staring at it. He wasn't being distracted. He didn't even have it on moon. He just left it behind, right? By himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. So first thing, guys, when you have a rough time, I know that right now this is a celebration service, but let's face it. I think everybody knows somebody that's sick right now. I have a good friend whose child, newborn, is in the hospital. In the last two weeks, I know some of this died from COVID and some of this died from a vaccine. This is a serious time. This is, it's tough to pretend like we're happy. I know it's easier when you're wearing a mask, but you still got to deal with this. And Jesus did. He got alone with his dad. He spent some Abba time. Now, we, we know this must have been a crushing time because another time we, where we saw him do this was in Gethsemane. And then verse 24, it says, And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. So as a surfer, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to surf on, on the lake before, but I've heard there's some waves everyone. Not much. And it probably gets a little cold when it is windy, but um, I surf in the ocean, and there have been times where the storm is so big, the waves are 10 or 20 feet, and I'm paddling, and I'm paddling, and I'm paddling. About 45 minutes later, I look over, and that rock that was in the same place when I got in the water is right there. I did not move one bit. And that's what these guys, that's what these guys have hit, but they hit it not at the shore. They hit it towards the middle of lake or, or the sea, if you will. And then it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Now, uh, we skip something here. One of the other parallel passages says, Jesus saw them. It says that they're like two, two and a half miles out, we believe, and Jesus saw them. Okay, that's physically impossible if somebody is that far. So, and also it's dark. And also if there's a storm, there would be clouds, there would be all kinds of things. And so what's physically impossible for man, well, he's all seeing. He's omniscient, all knowing. He saw them from afar. That's miracle number one. God sees you in your distress. God sees you in your troubles, in your trials, in your worst time. One thing that I admire about Jesus is that when he had his worst day and he pulled up at that shore and he wanted to do nothing probably but just be alone with God, he saw a need as well. And when he saw that need, he leaned in and he helped them. Some of you guys were serving the community over the last few weeks and perhaps you just had a rough day and you didn't even want to help, but you did. And at the end of it all, wow, it's like you had wings. So he sees their need. He sees it from afar, miles away through the dark, through the storm, miracle number one. Miracle number two, he finds them using GPS, God's positioning system, right? He finds them exactly. And miracle number three, he's walking on water, yo. I'm serious. 
this is something that had never been done. Now, he turned water into wine. He multiplied food. He, you know, he healed people. He cast out demons. Incredible. But humans can't walk on water. This had never been done. Now, now we are not that mind-blown by this because of the things we see, all the special effects that we see in movies. But just imagine somebody had never seen anything like that before. Somebody had never seen somebody fly. Jesus did it at the end of, of his days here on earth. Somebody had never seen anybody walk on water. I mean, you saw it in the music video, right? Did you see that? Do you know how many weeks it took me to figure out how to get that person to look like they were walking on water? How many weeks I was imagining a plexiglass, some sort of platform, but then it kept sinking in the sand and going sideways and the person kept falling. Okay, that's not going to work. Okay, maybe we just have them walk on sand and then, and then cut it and then put, no, that just, that, that's just fake. So finally, we found a little tidal bluff. It, it's just this little itsy-bitsy island, and if you get it the right time, it's like two inches underwater. The person's walking. You're filming from the deep. They're walking in the shallow. This is not what happened. Jesus isn't just walking. I'm going to add a fourth miracle. He's surfing. <laughs> he is not just walking on calm water like the girl did in the music video where she was really on sand. He's literally walking in the worst waves that these sailors, now these guys are fishermen and sailors. They're used to this. This is nothing new for them. But he's walking on the worst waves, the worst storm that they've ever seen. Actually, there was one other one that was probably just as bad. But Jesus was sleeping in the boat at that time. At that time, he was sleeping. And they just woke him up. And of course, he calmed the storm. At this point, I'm pretty sure these guys are wishing that he was with them. Why did he abandon us? Why did he leave us? Why did he send us? He didn't know that this was going to happen to us. Maybe he knew, and he wanted to teach them a lesson. Not sure. But he was not impotent in this. Imagine these guys. They're rowing. They say, see you, Jesus? Oh, wow, that was a cool day. They're telling stories. Oh, wow, could you imagine? We had more food left over. Ooh, it's winds kicking up. More, than, more left over than than we ever started with. And, and then they're paddling harder. Row harder, guys. Row, row. And then eventually it starts splashing. Now they're soaking wet. It's like, a, it's like that log ride at that, that amusement park where you just ride it once and you're drenched. They're like that within an hour. And then it gets to two hours, three hours. Now they're buffeted by the, by the wind and they're way too far from the shore. And they're pushing, but it seems like they're getting nowhere. And then the waves kick up. It's a major swell. It's Waimea Bay on a really good day. It's insane. And now half the guys are probably bailing water so they don't go under, while the other half are rowing. Their shoulders are blown out. Imagine, we're in nine hours of this. Could you row for nine hours? doesn't matter how fit you are. You could not row for nine hours. Ten hours. Some say it may have gone as long as... 12 hours. Could you imagine that? By that point, maybe they were suicidal. We're just going to die. We're going to die. There's no hope. And, and at the point of desperation, at the point where there's just nothing left, you, you have no strength left. You know you're going under. All of a sudden, <coughs> can I hear all the ladies scream as loud as I can? 
That was the saddest thing in the world. One, two, three. It was even louder than that. These burly sailors, these salt-of-the-earth fishermen are screaming like schoolgirls. They're freaking out because their minds cannot compute what they're seeing. You're in the middle of the sea of what might as well be an ocean. You can't even see the other side. And you see a figure coming towards you. That's it. This is the end. This is what it's like when you die. Maybe that's what they're thinking. It's over. They think it's a ghost. The Greek word is phantasm. Sound familiar? (sighs) Phantasm is what they think they see. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, one of the, one of the parallel passages here, one of the other gospels, it says Jesus was going to walk past them. <laughs> almost, it almost sounds like he was just like, hey, hey guys, just kind of playing a prank. Well, they're like, oh, did you see that? Jesus is going to walk. But I, I think that what the, the disciple who wrote it is saying is, is that Jesus was walking at a normal pace and they were going nowhere. They were not moving at all. But immediately Jesus said to them, verse 27, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus! He's like, he's like, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. <laughs> and then Peter. Peter, you notice Peter always like manages to do things and say things that are just like super random. I call it foot in the mouth disease, you know. <laughs> To which Jesus would have to say, get behind me, Satan. Not exactly what Peter was hoping to say. I'll never, never, ever reject you. I'll never deny you. Yeah, right. Okay, let me get, just, this is just a fun little breakup of the monotony. I, if it's foot in the mouth disease, I want to give a free t-shirt to the first person that can put their foot in their mouth. Come on up. Who can do it? Who can do it? He's trying. He's trying. Anybody? If you can do it, I'm serious. Free t-shirt. Free t-shirt. Who can do it first? Who can do it? We got, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me see. Come on up. Bring it up. Bring it up here. Bring it up here. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah. Come on up. No, you can sit. You can do whatever you, whatever. Oh! Thank you for not going all the way. Can anybody put their tongue on their elbow? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm distracting my own message. He had foot in the mouth disease. He always just spoke up. But I love the boldness of him. I love it. And I love that Jesus later on is like, hey, you're going to be the guy. You're the dude. <laughs> so check it out. He says, with the disciple, verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they said, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out with fear. Jesus said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out 
to you on the water. Okay, now he has the right mindset here. He starts off with the word Lord. Some translations say master. He's got the right perspective. Jesus is Lord. But why in the world would somebody want to leave a boat in a storm? Anybody? Want to guess? Speak up. Safer with Jesus. That blew my mind when I came to that conclusion. That it's safer to be in the middle of the storm with the only one that can calm the storm than in a sinking boat going nowhere with your friends. I'm going to say that again. You're safer in the middle of the storm with the only one that can control it than in a sinking ship with your friends. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water to you. Another verse, version says, command me. Because Peter knows when Jesus says it, it happens. Now that is some gigantor faith. That is some brazen faith. To see Jesus doing something that everybody is terrified Thinking is a ghost. They're freaking out. You're completely emotionally exhausted. You're physically, spiritually exhausted. Imagine how much praying they did. What do you think Jesus was praying when he was on the mountaintop? Perhaps what he did in John 17, praying for his disciples, praying for their unity. There they are. They're in trouble. I'll go to them. And he answered, his own prayer, perhaps. I know they were praying. I can't imagine them not praying that Jesus was there. And he came to them. And then Jesus gives the shortest altar call in the Bible. Come. That's it. One word. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Imagine this. He's like, you're serious, right, Jesus? For reals? You're not just joking, right? Okay. Oh, oh, it's holding. Little tippy toe to the heel. It's, it's, it's a miracle. It's, And then he just stayed there, right? Just like that? One foot in? Why not? That's what you're doing, some of you. One foot in the church, one foot in the world. I hope you're a Russian gymnast and very limber like that girl because uh, you're going to do the splits. You got to take both feet out of the boat. Perhaps you're still holding on to the mast or to the edge of the boat. You gotta let go. You gotta let go of the past. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the pain. I was just talking to somebody who said that they left the church over all this political stuff, over the vax stuff. Left the church over it. You gotta let go of that stuff, guys. Whatever's keeping you from being closer to God, you gotta let go of it. 
It's holding you back. Perhaps he just started doing this. Now, what, what do you think the other disciples were thinking and saying at this moment? What are you doing, dude? Get back in here. You're crazy. You're not Jesus. What are your friends saying as you're walking towards Jesus? What are you doing, dude? Get back in here. You're crazy. Misery loves company. Maybe he didn't do the tippy-toe thing. Maybe Jesus come, okay, like a Jesus lizard, just running towards, running towards Jesus. <laughs> and then at that very second, he makes that fatal, fatal, fatal mistake. Now, there are so many books on success, how to succeed. Why aren't they writing books on how to fail? Chapter number one and done on how to fail in your marriage, in your work life, in your school life, in your friends, in your family, in your faith life. Take your eyes off of Jesus and you're going down. Down, 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 down. And that's what he does. I commend Peter. I commend him for this brazen faith. You know what's fascinating to me as I was studying this last night, looking at the parallel passages? None of the other gospels mention that Peter walked on water. They just mention that Jesus came out to them and calmed the storm. Sorry, spoiler alert of what's coming next. Why would they not mention that? Maybe because they think it was a failure. Or perhaps they just ran out of ink. Or maybe they just thought that the story should be centered on Jesus and not what Peter did. But I think it's a powerful story. It says, then Peter got down off the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. My friends, as you're going towards Jesus, as you're moving towards God, you're moving away from your past. You're moving away from that sinking boat with your friends. You can't look back at it and say, maybe I should go back like the Israelites to Egypt or to Babylon or to Assyria. No, you got to step out of Babylon. you got to step away from your past. you got to move every single foot you take, every step you take, Towards Jesus is a better step. It's a better place. Don't turn around. Don't go back. Don't slip back. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And this is where Peter, who says the stupidest thing sometimes, says the smartest thing. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, Save me. He, he only had a split second. <sighs> Imagine how exhausted he is. Imagine how invigorating he is. Imagine the adrenaline pumping through your heart when you are walking on water. And then, as you're looking at Jesus, as you're running towards him, all of a sudden, the wind hits your face and you look and you're seeing the biggest wave of your life coming at you. It at that moment is bigger than God in your eyes. And you are instantly going down. But he has a split second to say the shortest sinner's prayer in the Bible. Save me, Lord! And his hand goes under. Do you know that I've had the privilege of rescuing three people from drowning? 
Three people, every one of them had one thing in common, a few things in common. They all said that they could swim. They all did the most unique strokes I've ever seen them do. I then said, are you okay? Or do you need help? And every one of them says, yeah, I'm fine. And then one time I was, it was one of the band members, I won't say which one, but I literally, I was like, hey, could you go out there and gauge the depth of what's under this cliff? I want to make sure that there's no tree branches there because every once in a while a waterfall forces a tree down and a tree is like, impales people because they're stupid and they jump off a cliff without gauging the bottom. Could you do that for me, please? He's like, sure. Comes out doing this weird stroke. I'm like, are you okay? Yeah. Can you swim? Yeah. Pops back up again. Are you okay? Yeah. Pops back up again. Help! And I never see him again. At that moment, I'm like, either he dies, which is 100% guarantee right now, and possibly I get impaled, which is about a 50%. I'm risking it because he's worth it. Thankfully, I did not get impaled by a stick or tree, and I rescued him, and he wasn't an easy guy to swim to shore. It says right there in verse 31, my favorite part. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand. Now, Jesus at that point could have gone into a 10-point sermon. He could have told him, this is how you do the backstroke, or come on, guys. You don't know how to do freestyle swimming, or, dude, I told you, man, come. And now you're looking over there. He didn't do any of that. Immediately he rescued. Immediately he grabbed him. You see, we need to be saved. We are all drowning in our sin. And we need to cry out, save me, Lord. It says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I'd like to think that this is Jesus. Oh, little faith. He grabs him at that point. Peter wraps his legs around Jesus' waist like your kid would. And Jesus is like hugging him as he's carrying him back to the boat. Jesus just nonchalantly, chill. Storm dies. Verse 33, probably the most profound verse in this entire thing. And we skip over it. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Did you hear that? For the very first time, you don't know this, but for the very first time in this gospel, the disciples say, you truly are the son of God. Why? He had healed, he had cast out demons, he had done so many miracles. He just fed 5,000. Why is now, why are you now worshiping him? Because that was one of us. And you cared so much to come and to save him and to save us. Peter would say, because he cared so much that he rescued me. And he cares, God. He is close to the brokenhearted. He understands what it's like to be hurt. As the band comes up on stage, I want to tell you to keep your focus on Jesus because he's the only one that can rescue you. He's the only one that can deliver you from the storms of life. He can be your your peace in the eye of a hurricane. He won't keep you from storms, but he'll keep you through them. 
And he kept his disciples through them, through this storm. But the most important thing in this entire message is the declaration, the proclamation made by each of the disciples when they said, you truly are the son of God. And they worshiped him. That was the moment, I believe, when they went from being true, being somebody who's kind of following to a true believer, a true follower. And I want to give you the opportunity to do the same. You can't do it on your own. You're going nowhere on your own efforts, on your own power, on your own flesh, just like the disciples were. You're in a sinking boat. All of us were born into sin, and this sin has separated us from God. The wages of sin is death. But God sent his only son, Jesus, on a one-man rescue mission. The Bible says, the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be rescued through him. He's reaching out a hand to rescue right now, just like he did for Peter. And in doing that, will you reach up your hand, just like Peter did, and say, save me, Lord? And will you do more than that? Will you step away from your sin? Step away from the sinking boat and walk towards him. You cannot walk towards your sin and walk towards him. They are equally oppositional. Bow your heads, close your eyes. You can't get to heaven unless you've been forgiven. Jesus is the only one that can do that. You have to do an about face, a 180 from the old. He is the rescuer. He's the only one that can forgive your sins. The only one that can give you heaven. Will you turn to him today? Will you say those precious words that Peter said? Save me, Lord. Pray right now. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Say it out loud. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I turn away from my sin. I run to you. Save me. I raise my hand. Raise your hand if you're praying this right now. Raise it high and say, rescue me. I need help. Give me heaven. I'm forgiven. From this day, I will be living for you. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. Get connected, learn more, and invest financially. Go to citylifelancing.com.